Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello to those who are listening on the Temple Beth Am podcast, whenever you are actually. So, uh, we are, this is our second uh, class of, I don't know, probably about 70 or 80 that we'll do on Parshad Ve'era. Uh, and let's jump into it. We got through verse 2, um, which is really the first verse of Parshad Ve'era last week. And I believe we did both Rashi's on it. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we, there were two Rashi's on verse 2, and I think we did both of them. Uh, Rebecca, you're joining from here? Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. God, it's so complicated. Okay. Um, but again, you, you've, you Zoomers can hear me? Even in Canada? The, the, the sound crossed the border? All the way across the border. Okay, so now people to hear. We didn't hear Joanna. Joanna, speak again just to make sure we can hear you in the room. Boker Tov, everyone. A little bit louder? Okay. Thanks, Joanna. Okay. Um, Let's go to verse three, but let's remind ourselves what verse two said. And again, verse two is the first verse of Parshat Ve'era because the division in the non-Jewish uh, understanding of the text ends chapter five, a verse before Ve'era begins in the Parsha. Verse two is Ve'edaber Elohim Moshe, the Elohim notion of God, the, the, the judgment notion of God. Uh, spoke to Moses, Vayomer Elav, and said to him, Ani Adonai. Right? This is a schizophrenic God. So Elohim said to Moshe and said, I am actually not Elohim, even though I'm speaking to you as Elohim, I, I am Yudhe Bavhe, the Rachamim, the mercy, the tender uh, nation of God. And that's one of the things that we dealt with when Rashi uh, looked at that verse. And now we're on verse three, which again is the second verse of Parshat Vaera. So. Uh, as a way of welcoming him back to the class, Marshall Kramer, do you want to read verse three? Okay. Vayira el el Avraham el Yitzchak el Yaakov el Shaddai Ushmi Adonai lo nodati lahem. Okay. And um, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as el Shaddai, but in my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. Okay, one second, I'm just turning off something on my computer so that a phone call doesn't interrupt us. Right. Um, how did you translate va'era? Uh, and I appeared. Right. It's, it's an interesting verb form. By the way, this is the word from which um, the Parsha gets its name. Uh, every once in a while, the Parsha gets its name not from the word in the first verse of the Parsha, but the second verse of the Parsha. So it's called Parshat Va'era, even though the word Va'era does not appear in the first verse of it. Va'era, what form or what binyam would you say that was in Marshall? Um, well, it it seems it seems to be a it's a future tense verb, and it's uh, I know it's a vav hahipuch situation. Right. So it looks future tense, but it means past tense, right? Yeah. And, and what binyan is it? Is it active, passive, pa'al, nifal, it pa'el? Um, well, surely not pa'al. Uh, right. It's not pa'al because God's not doing the seeing, right? Right. So it's probably in a, an older form of, an older truncated form of nifal, right? In mm -hmm. modern Hebrew, like take the vav ha'ipuch out and you want to say the word, I will be seen, right? Because this is, 
um, the Vavaipuch changes it from future to past, you would say, Eira'e. Eira'e, right. Ani ro'e, I see. Eira'e, I will be seen. What sometimes happens in a Vavaipuch form is that the last letter, particularly if the last letter is a hey, just disappears when you're adding a vav in the beginning. So this is probably Eira'e, I will be seen, turns into Va'era, I was seen in the nifal form, right? Because mm -hmm. Rashi is, uh, Rashi, God is saying, not that I saw Abraham, because you have the preposition too. I was seen. Look at Uncle S quickly. Uncle S interestingly keeps the form, changes the root, right? He goes straight to v'it galeti, gimel amad yud, or gimel amad hey, means to reveal, mm -hmm. right? I was revealed. He could have turned it into an Aramaic word that means I was seen, but he wants us to understand that when God says, I was seen, it's a revelation, right? Mm -hmm. I was seen to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. How did you handle the phrase Be'el Shaddai? I was distracted for a second with a computer issue. Um, he didn't translate it? As El Shaddai. As El Shaddai. And what does that mean? That, that's the altar translation. Okay. Um, what do you think... Uh, what do you think that means? Well, anyway. in the in, in the form and maybe in the form of El Shaddai, God made Himself known to the people in all different different forms. It's Adonai Elohim. So here, in the form of El Shaddai, right? And form may not mean physical form; may mean just the name of. And it's name interesting. In this, it's the second verse of the parsha. We already have three names of God being used, mm -hmm. right? So Elohim is speaking. He says to Moses, to you, I am Adonai. Mm -hmm. To them, which them, Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, I was, when, when I made myself visible or known or revealed to them, I was El Shaddai, the God who is almighty and powerful. Okay? And what? Shaddai, right? Yeah. Correct. Um, right. We, we don't really, hold on. We need, to, we need to move the mic around if anyone in the room is talking. Just pass, yeah, just finish th throw it, Bill. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you on Zoom heard what uh, Stevie said, and he's Steve, absolutely correct. I, it was an unconscious uh, thing that I said. Keeps keep going. I would say um, most scholars think that Shaddai comes from the word for hill, but that's based on a bunch of 19th century uh, German scholars who were very prudish and more modern scholars think it probably comes from breast because when it, the word when when El Shaddai appears in in the book of Genesis it usually refers to uh, the you know the, the patriarchs uh, having children right it, it's a very interesting word and it's one of the places where rabbinic Judaism did such a good job of reorienting our understanding of vocabulary that even unconsciously, I translate Shaddai as Almighty because the rabbis turned Shaddai into a notrikun. What is Shaddai? It's the God, Sheh, who is Dai, enough, sufficient, mm -hmm. and the one who is who's all powerful. Um, in, in biblical Hebrew, Shin Dalid can either mean breast, Shaddaiim or breasts, or um, a, a spook, a ghost, a shade is like a demon. So scholars just don't know which, which, which source of those um, 
of, of those combination of letters, the original biblical Shaddai actually meant, right? <laughs> but whatever it meant then, it's clearly different than Elohim and clearly different than Adonai. And in this moment, God is saying to Moshe, well, let me ask you this. What tone of voice do you imagine God speaking to Moshe in? I'm Adonai. When I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was as El Shaddai. What, what, what's, what's the point of this communication? Rick, your hand is up. I don't know if you're answering that question or a previous one. Um, kind of previous. I don't know. It, it was about Yerah. So it's, it's separate from what you're asking. All right. So then hold the thought. Okay. What, what's, what's the content here? When, when God says to Moses, to you, I'm Adonai. To them, I was El Shaddai. Ushmi Adonai. And my name, Adonai, that I'm revealing myself to you as, Lo Nodati Lehem. Marshall, how did you translate Lo Nodati? Uh, I did not make myself known. I was not known to them. Good. Another passive. Yodea is to know. Lehivada is to be known in the Nephal. So Lo Nodati. I was not made known to them. Barry, can we give Barry the microphone? Maybe we need two microphones in the room. Good. There seems to be a ranking. By the way, on Zoom, could you hear Barry as he projected, even though the microphone was not in front of him? Not really. So we really should not move really. the mic uh, to include people. Okay. Right. So we could, if we could put the table. Um, so there seems to be some kind of a ranking here, right? There seems to be God saying to Moses, right? I'm allowing myself to be experienced by you as Adonai. I'm adding in here as an editorial comment. And even to Abraham and even to Isaac and to Jacob, all they got was El Shaddai. Now, it is hard to separate, as we said before, the rabbinic. Do I need this microphone? I need this microphone to be heard by them. Okay, so I feel weird that I'm like shouting at all of you. Um, we probably don't actually need the speaker on. No, if you don't hear the speaker, they don't hear them. Should, should, should I repeat this is, now? This is, this is like a, uh, this is a math puzzle. So um, it's hard to separate what the rabbis do with the words Adonai, Elohim, and El Shaddai with what they might have originally meant. We are conditioned by Chazal, by the rabbis, to read Adonai as intimate, tender, and merciful, Elohim as judgment-based, harsh, and parental, and El Shaddai, we're not sure. But if we accept the... Um, uh, uh, rabbinic interpretation, which Exodus didn't know of, right? Exodus didn't know how the rabbis were going to interpret it. But if we accept it, we have God saying to Moshe, I am allowing myself more tenderly, um, more closely than they were on the, the top of the pantheon. They got to see God closest. You're getting even closer. That may or may not mean be what Exodus originally meant, but that's what it means through a rabbinic lens. Sue, and then we'll back, go back to Ruth. Microphone. I'm, there's something that's not res resonating in time. It sounds like I'm, I get what you mean here with the vocal. Um, it, it's not resonating with me that, oh, to them, he, he was, you know, the almighty, almighty. And to you, I'm all up close and personal because the up close and personal is, is not, it's not like that. There's going to be thunder and lightning and spooky at the base of Mount Sinai. And there's going to be this, wild ride in Egypt and it's not going to be all I'm, you know, all love and up close and personal and full of mercy. Right. That's not, that's sort of, that it seems not the character of this. Um, it's certainly not the character of the God that's about to be revealed to Egypt and the God that's going to be revealed to the Israelites. 
the question is, is it the character of how God is personally revealing God's self to Moshe, right? You're right. The God of Exodus, even though we'll see yud heh vav is not the rabbinic fantasy, but maybe the God of the burning bush. This is the burning bush extension is. Well, maybe. I, what I was going to add, and I I'm I'm not, don't have this clearly formed in my own mind yet, but I, when I think about that, El, El Shaddai, El Shaddai and Elohim and, and, and that characterization and um, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, that the, the things that have happened before, they're kind of, um, they've got like layers of, uh, like a, a superstitious vibe hmm. about them. Hmm. They, we've got, you know, he's got Avraham up on the mountaintop and the disappearing ram into the thicket and the slay, slay your son and the mysterious, you know, this kind of, bizarre relationships we've got jacob and the ladder and the dreams and the the you know resting his head on the stone at wherever that is and it's kind of there there's something about it that has a, a a kind of a more for lack of a better word it's got more of a pagan notion to it to me including the names el shaddai anyway that's what i'm thinking that i that's what i am thinking about Thank you, Sue. Uh, we'll go Rick. Actually, Rick, you're still on. A... Rick, hold off one second. Joanna, because I think your comment is more, uh, probably more related to the, this current conversation. We'll go back to Rick. Um, I think also when we talk about Shaddai in the rabbinic imagination, um, we have to think about its usage on a mezuzah, right? And Shomer de la Tot Yisrael. And then there it becomes a very sort of protective, close God. That's one comment I wanted to make. The second comment I wanted to make is this pasuk is not exactly true. God was known as Adonai to our ancestors. Um, Abraham several times makes a sacrifice, Beshem Adonai. Yes. There's a pasuk um, where God directly says to Abraham, Ani Adonai. Um, even Abraham's Dameshek, like Abraham so knew him as Adonai that the Dameshek, when he goes looking for a wife, <laughs> prays to Adonai. And Yaakov also calls out in Adonai's name. Right. So our ancestors did know God as Adonai. Right. right. So what Joanna's bringing up is the very thing that Rashi's going to reckon with, which is that we've been trying to figure out what the verse means. Rashi jumps to what I, Rashi would say, I know what the verse means, it just isn't accurate, right? So how do we graph this statement of God to Moshe, God's revelation to Moshe, to God's revelation to the forefathers with what we actually know about God's revelation to the forefathers? So Rashi is going to um, hint, but not make explicit that we'll look at. And thank you, Joanna, for reminding us that, that the rabbis on the word Shaddai actually do a drash on themselves. And even that is an interesting statement because we talk about the rabbis as if they go, Chazal, one midrash over here, one rabbinic midrash on Shaddai is Shaddai, that's the, and the other, as Joanna says, the reason why you have a shin on the outside of many mezuzot is because the name of God that is attached to, one more time, give us that Shishmor. Shomer de la Tot Yisrael, guardian of the doors of Israel. Right, so it, it turns uh, a name which is under, as powerful. Good. Uh, let's go Rick and then Diane Larry. And Diane, I hope we you Yeah. <clears throat> Ditto. Okay, so um, 
Um, I don't know if this is verboten, but in Genesis, you have a Vayera there. We all know and love the one for the Rosh Hashanah Torah readings that I'm looking at. <laughs> so Vayera there, Elav Adonai. God, Adonai appeared to Abraham. It's right there. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you um, how, how to explain that. And then later on, when he doesn't do the people sacrifice, he does the goat sacrifice. Uh, verse 14 there in uh, chapter 22, you have an Adonai with a Pasik there separating him. I don't know, but uh, there's an Adonai. And then Yir Eh there. And then Abraham names the mountain uh, uh, Bahar Adonai Yir Eh. Um, so I just wanted to raise that to you to see if you can explain those, sir. While you were talking, I tried to pull up that chapter on Safari so that people, um, you can. Your, your sound is a little bit down, Rabbi. My sound is down. Is that now, better? Now, yeah, it's better. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, your, your comment is a cousin to Joanna's comment, which is that if you do a close read of Sefer Breshid, the book of Genesis, there are many times, including in um, sections of the text that uh, are evocative of Vayera, but they're only kind of accidentally evocative. There are two parshaot, parshaot that rhyme Vayera and Vayera, right? Vayera is the parsha in which we have um, the, the binding of Isaac, and Vayera is in Shemot, where God does indeed appear as yud heh vav -Hey to the ancestors. Pause one second. Alan, would you go to security and ask them to turn the air conditioning on here? It's getting very warm. Yeah, or, yeah. thank you. Um, so... Rashi will give us a partial answer to that, but you're astute to point it out. Uh, Diane or Larry, I don't know whose hand was up. Both of us, I'll start. Um, I'm wondering if El Shaddai is some goddess, um, given the reference to Shaddaiim, like hearkening back to um, Mother Earth type earlier god, and also whether El Shaddai was more um location specific whereas Yudhevavhe is a universal god who goes wherever you go. Who's which banging are we hearing? It's, We're hearing it's Amelia. Am I hearing banging on La Cienega or a, okay. Uh you gotta pull that door closer. Uh, okay. yeah, those are interesting I, possibilities. Um uh, Diane, and you know, masters, if not doctoral theses, have been written about the names of God, including the potential or potential biblical origins of Shaddai. I don't remember what BDB. I guess I got. Let me pull this up. The Brown Driver Briggs, which is the classic, um, the classic biblical dictionary of roots, as opposed to the Jastro, which is the Benic Hebrew. So let's see what BDB says. So you all can see it, and everyone mm -hmm. on, on Zoom can see. it. Maybe it's a two-letter root. Oh. I don't see it in the three. Shaddai. Uh, no, that's the... Um, sure. Klein has a lot to say on Shaddai. Um, so various attempts have been made to find the etymology of this word. It is generally derived from Shaddad in the sense to overpower, hence rendered almighty. Some scholars compare it with the Akkadian Shadu, mountain. Others connect it with Shad, breast, and, rather, and render Shaddai by 
provider sustainer. Still others derive it from the base appearing in Aramaic, Shaddah, he hurled, he threw, and translates Shaddai by the hurler of arrows of lightning and thunder. Hmm. Several scholars refer to the Arabic Sada, he stretched out his hand, and Sada, he heaped benefits, he reconciled persons at enmity with each other and render Shaddai by dispenser of benefits or protector of peace. In this case, the form Shaddai could most easily be explained as a Pa'al form, uh, whence also Salah forgiver. Our sages explain that Shaddai, uh, whose divinity suffices for every creature. That's the Shaddai. That's the Shaddai, right. Uh, Akilos, Samachos, and Theodosian render Shaddai by Ikachos, sufficing, sufficient, thus following the explanation of our sages. Right, so that all could be summed up in one sentence. We have no idea, right? Which gives even more engine to rabbinic interpretation because we, we, we are more lenient with the rabbis in doing fanciful interpretations when the actual meaning of the word is less clear. Yes. Microphone. So what Rosemary said as the microphone is coming to her is that in 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 Persian and Persian shadi means happiness. You take that as well. Rabbi, can I, can I make a comment? It's Larry. Larry. Yes. Where'd you go on this one? I'm here somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to sound like my usual broken record. First of all, I want to step back. And, and and see where we are. There were all of a sudden, and I don't think we've discussed this last week. Larry, can you uh, speak a tiny bit louder? Sure. We're, we're, we're all of a sudden repeating um, <laughs> when God was already talking to Moshe. So what's going on here? So I'm going to argue that what's going on here is we got another insertion. A, a, we got another block of text that was inserted here it doesn't necessarily belong here. But more than that, why didn't anybody go back and look and see where did we have reference to Shaddai? Because we have it, I think, 24 times in Bereshit. And I'm going to dispute what everyone has said about, oh, yeah, well, Abraham knew God is yud vav Well, no, we have the text that says that's what he knew him as. I don't know what he knew him as. I don't know what, this, what these stories, original stories, had. And I'm inclined to believe that it was Shaddai and not Adonai or Elohim or Yudhei And what I really think we've got here is the text is trying to make the connection between Bereshit and the stories of our ancestors and what Moses, whoever Moses is, to be discussed later on, not at all, that Moses is trying then to make this connection. And so he says, he puts in God's, <laughs> in, in God's mouth, oh yeah, this God that was known to your ancestors is Shaddai, I'm the same God. Uh, wonderful, Larry. And you're also partially predicting Rashi because Rashi, just to give some of the, the store away, is going to make a distinction between um, their knowing that God had that name and they're actually experiencing God in that, uh, in that particular aspect of God, right? This, it's, it's the difference between like cerebrally or intellectually knowing that something is true and then actually experiencing that in that personal way. Barry? <laughs> 
So I, I want to pull a few things together. Um, uh, just previous to these two sentences, uh, we have Moshe complaining to Elohim, why are you, why did you do this? I, I, I did what you, you said and it came bad on all the people. Oh, what's this all about? So uh, Elohim is now coming as yud heh vav to, to Moshe and say, look, it's not what you think. Hmm. It's, it's going to be like this. Um, and this is the first time that we have um, Nodati um, as Yerhebovhe. Uh, there's been the appearance of Yerhebovhe previously in various times, but this is the first time uh, um, Elohim is Yadati as Yerhebovhe to Moshe. And because of the, 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 the what's, what's occurring here is, look, it's not what you think. It's, it's this way. I need, to, I need to show you who I am. Good. That's actually a good pathway into the Rashi, Barry. So thank you for that, because Rashi is going to uh, address some of the some of the, what you just mentioned and what um, you mentioned before. Stevie, microphone. <laughs> it's just going to be the case that every other speaker in the class is going to be on the opposite sides of the table. We have it's to just, walk it around the room every time. I know. It's uh, everyone's going to get their steps in. Um, two things. One is that uh, one answer that Rashi is not going to be capable of giving but most scholars give is that dividing the text into various constituent sources, you can make this statement literally true that, mm. that the J and E sources don't use the word UK above K until now. Mm. Um, and, uh, but the other thing I was going to say is, is, uh, is it UK above K is definitely a name, whereas Elohim definitely a title and El Shaddai could sort of go either way, but there is, even if, even like, even if the notion of it being specifically about merciful overtones is a, you know, rabbinic idea, right? There's definitely something intimate about having a name and right. We know that Pharaoh doesn't know God's name, right? Like can't find it in his book of gods, mm -hmm. right? So this, this is a, a new revelation, which I think, the rabbis are correct to understand is a new level of intimacy. Right. Even though, even though yud heh vav -Hey appears in in Breshit, doesn't necessarily mean that that's yeah. that's the, the 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 personal aspect of God that the Torah wants us to think that the answer. Um, yeah. Also, a uh, somewhat more ambitious uh, academic theory is that when the Israelite when whatever small population of, of Israelites that actually left Egypt got to Israel and started spreading their religion to the indigenous Israelites, which is only one possible theory of what happened, um, that this kind of transformation was like actually took place where like we're saying, oh, our God is actually the same God as your God. Uh -huh. um, and we see lots of overlapping God names throughout Tanakh um and sort of cross identifications and some like this point to this story as sort of saying oh yeah the god of the levites was in fact the god of everybody and it's not uh like uh and, and sort of that th this uh transformation of identity um what like is like echoed in reality even if that's not what the the story is trying to tell good i want to highlight one of the things you just said the formulation of our brachot concretizes one of the first things that Stevie said, which is that 
the, the Hebrew word Elohim seems to be an ancient biblical word built on other languages that has to do with the concept of divinity, because an El was a god, a divine being. Whereas the word we pronounce as Adonai, but is spelled yud hey vav or yud kei vav depending on how you say it, seems to be the specific name or experience that we believe that our ancestors and we had with God. Because we're saying, Baruch Ata yud hey vav like you, as we know you are blessed, and who are you? Eloheinu, you, you are the, the being to which we attribute divinity, or that we experience as divine. So other people experience different things as divine, but you are our El. El there is a generic word for a god. You, Adonai, Yudhei which is pronounced Adonai, are our El. Um, okay, so a lot of stuff swirling here. Let's see, anything else before we jump into the Rashi? Okay, uh, Marshall, you're back on. And uh, why don't you start reading the Rashi on Va'era? You need to unmute. Okay, on Va'era, just two words. El Ha'avot. Which means? To the, uh, the, the forefathers, to the patriarchs. What possible question could Rashi have such that that's the answer to it? Because the next words are El Avraham, El Yitzchak, El Yaakov. The verse actually says, I was... <laughs> known or, or seen to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, Rashi on the word Vaira says to the ancestors. What, what is he adding or what, is he, what was he troubled by? Rick? Hi. <clears throat> In my Silverman um, edition of Rashi, the red one, there's a footnote on number five, and um, it goes just a little paragraph. Much Ingenuity has been displayed in explaining why Rashi replaced the names of the patriarchs mentioned in the text by the short designation, the patriarchs here, Ha'avot. As a matter of fact, old editions of Rashi repeat the names, the three names, um, and also Ramban's quotation of Rashi's words. Anyway, probably a copyist omitted the names replacing them by the descriptive word ha'avot. Right. So the, the, another way of saying that is that just like we're not really sure what El Shaddai means, we're not really sure why or if Rashi said this, right? This may have been, uh, you know, some person copying over text in the 14th century and seeing that what's coming up is Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and somehow puts in the words, oh, those are the avot, and that actually gets ascribed to Rashi. It's very hard to figure out a good reason why Rashi would add these words if we're working on the assumption that Rashi is never speaking for no reason. I'm not sure I understand the question. Is this just a short way of saying el Avraham el El Yitzhak El Yaakov El Shaddai. That's the Deborah Matchil, and now he's going to start speaking after that. Is that what you're saying? I wasn't saying that, but that's just a possibility as well, because are you by asking that question, are you suggesting that Rashi's version of the text in Exodus didn't say Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov, but rather El Ha'avot? No, it's just a shorthand, as you were saying. Uh -huh. Rashi but that shorthand. was not a commentary, that's just part ah. of the Deborah Matchil. Okay, that's another possibility, right? That, that when Rashi's commentary was, was captured over, it's probably after the fact that the words that we see in bold were added to the commentary that was done by an editor. And it may be that an editor consciously or unconsciously truncated the part of the verse, El Avraham, El Yitzchak, El Yaakov, not as part of Rashi's commentary, but just as the words on which Rashi's commentary comes into El Havot. 
and we don't know. What's fascinating about it, I, is there a footnote in, in this one on it? Because I forgot to check. I've been looking at different Rashi. Only if there's a manuscript issue, our Torah Chaim mentions it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, footnote four. Mm-hmm. Right. Rashi wanted to shorten the language. And his intent with this, is only to explain the word which is in place of, and I promised, to inform Moshe, that Moshe's job as a, as a messenger uh, was not for no, oh, he's now actually getting ahead to what Rashi is going to say. So, um, Let's, let's not finish that footnote four. I'd rather actually read it inside the Rashi than the footnote. Um, mm-hmm. But no one's 100% sure why the words El Avot are there. Uh, keep reading, Marshall. Okay. Ushmi Adonai lo nodati lahem. Lo nodati ain't kativ. Wait, I think you uh, skipped yep. on the Be'el Shaddai. Oh, I'm sorry. Be'el Shaddai hiftach tim haftachot uvchulan amarti lahem. Ani El Shaddai. So I made certain promises to them, and, and in all of them, I said to them, I am El Shaddai. Knowing how Rashi's commentary works, as well as you all do, because you've all confronted hundreds of Rashi's, what, is, what seems to be missing from this Rashi commentary that you would have expected, given how Rashi normally does things? Rashi has said that the word El Shaddai means that I promised them promises, and all those times I promised the ancestors promises, I did it with the words Ani El Shaddai. What would you expect to come next? Quotations. Rashi loves to send us back into the places, and, and so that Rashi can say to us across the ages, I'm not making this up. It's very interesting that he doesn't put it in here. Now, uh, jump ahead to Rashi's comment on verse, um, on verse 4. His second comment on verse four, which we may or may not actually get to today. And you'll see that in that commentary on, on the sec- second comment of verse four, he has quotations from three different places in the book of Rashid. Those are the ones that could slash should have been also included in this commentary. And I want us to look at them now because we can't really make sense of his comment here without actually seeing the places that Rashi was probably referring to when he said, hey, I promise, I, I spoke to all the ancestors, and when I did, I used El Shaddai as language. Uh, so let's, yeah. I, I think that Rashi will often find maybe some example of something, but then say like, oh, this, this actually happened every single time, right? So like the beginning of Vayikra, it's like, oh, before God spoke to Moses, God called Moses. Actually, that happened every time it says that God spoke to Moses. Right. Um, so like, he doesn't necessarily find the examples when he does that, I think. Uh, Joanna? Um, I posted a comment earlier in the chat, and even and now that verse is even more relevant. Um, perhaps Because Rashi can't give quotes because there's a quote that doesn't work, even with this. In, um, in Genesis 15, 7, God is talking to Abraham and saying, it's not going to be Ishmael, you're going to have another son. And he makes promises to him and he ends by saying, Ani Adonai. So the promises are in the verses just before 15.7. And in 15.7, God kind of concludes his little speech to Abraham saying, Ani Adonai. 
Let's look at that verse. Okay. Uh, so, Vayomer Elav Ani Adonai, God said to Abraham the exact same words that God says to Moshe in our verse, but by saying it to Moshe, God is saying, I didn't make myself knowable to the ancestors that way. Here in our verse, he says, I am God. Asher took you out of the, uh, the ore of the Chaldeans. To give you this land to uh, inherit. So you're making the point, uh, Joanna, that the reason why Rashi doesn't quote a verse is because he knows that if he starts quoting verses, there could be verses quoted against his comment? I think, yes. Let's look at some of the verses that he could have quoted here that he actually does quote uh, in the next verse. So, okay. So uh, chapter 17 of Breshit, Vayhi Avram ben Tishim Shana, Avram was 90 years old, Vitesha Shani, 99 years old, Vayera Adonai El Avram, we have the same verb, this is the, who, uh, who brought us to this earlier, um, that this is Parshat Vayera, Vayomra Elav, sorry, this is not Parshat Vayera, this is Parshat, this is still in Parshat Lech Lecha, but it's the same verb, and he made himself known to Avraham, Vayomra Elav, and he said, Ani El Shaddai, right? I am El Shaddai, which is exactly what God is saying in our verse, he was known by to the ancestors. He talech lefanai, walk in front of me, ve'yetamim, and you will be, um, uh, and you and you will be without blame. And then in the next verse, he talks about the promises he's going to make and that he's going to make him full. So here is an Avraham moment where he is uh, identify, where God is identifying God'self as um, as uh, El Shaddai. And then Elohim in verse 3, Rabbi, it's right there. Yeah, I mean, every, it goes back and forth. Every, every collection of verses in Torah, you will have some combination of different names of God, right? So sometimes our attempts to find the patterns um, almost become silly because the patterns are undone if you look a few verses before or after. Now, with the Isaac, and Rashi is going to say this explicitly later on, we've got to be a little bit creative. Um, so, chapter 26 of Rashid, verse 3. We'll start at verse 2. Vayera, same verb, God made himself known to Isaac. Doesn't say that Isaac saw God as Adonai, just that the God we know as Adonai made God self-known, Vayomer, and said to Isaac, Al-Tered Mitzrayma, don't go to Egypt, Shechon Ba'aretz, stay here, Asher Omar Alech, I'm going to tell you, Gur Ba'aretz Azot, live in this land, Ve'yeimcha, I'm going to be with you, Ba'avarchek, I'm going to bless you, Kilacha Ulezaracha, etain et kol ha'artzot ha'el, because I'm going to give you the, um, uh, this land, and I'm going to uphold the very promise, even though in this verse, God does not say El Shaddai, what Rashi is probably playing on, according to the super commentaries on Rashi, is that this is a verse where God says to Isaac, I'm going to um, with, uphold the same promise I made to Avraham, that promise that I made to Avraham when I said to him, I'm El Shaddai. So he does not say El Shaddai here, but kind of counts. And then Jacob... Uh, chapter 35, verse 11 of Breshit, Vayomre lo Elohim, interesting, Rick, I'm sure you were going to say something on it here, Elohim is speaking to, Av to Jacob, Ani El Shaddai, I am El Shaddai, that's how you know me, Pray Urve, 
make yourself numerous. Goy ukahal goyim yaimimeka. There are going to be many nations coming from you. Umlachim mechalatzecha yitzeu, and even kings. Right. So those three together, with Isaac um, as uh, sort of um, by, implication. by implication, we've got uh, Rashi being able to say, like in two and a half ways, yes, our verse is accurate-ish, because I. Adonai was made known to them as El Shaddai, kind of in these situations, right? Um, comments, questions, because it's really the next comment of Rashi that brings all this together, if it indeed can be brought together. Joanna? I'm going to hold with what I was saying before, that this is problematic, because in 15, if you look at the verses just prior to the one that 15.7, 15.5, 15.6, God says the same thing. You're going to be a father of many people, as numerous as the as the sand, and um, and ends with Aniadonai, and that's earlier. So in 15, he's Aniadonai. This is a repetition. Where this time he's El Shaddai. The the more we go into this and read the Rashi's and the opening lines of Parshat Ve'era. Uh, the more sometimes people say with a little bit of chutzpah, Rashi maybe you should have just skipped over this, right? Because he every um, association he's making to astute readers like Joanna and many of you can be undone much more easily than other Rashi commentaries. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes Rashi's comments were weaker than others. Let's actually try to finish what Rashi says in the verse. So now we're back to Marshall Ushmi Adonai. Ushmi Adonai lanodati lahem, lohadati ein katif kan ela lohadati. So it's not written uh, here lohodati. I guess I guess I did not cause my name to be known, um, but ela uh, lohnodati. By my name, the Lord, I was not known unto them. This is very subtle, right? In order for us to understand Rashi's subtlety, we have to guess what Rashi thought the difference was between a hefiel causative and a nifal passive. And boy, do we get lost in language jumps here from medieval Hebrew to modern Hebrew and just from Hebrew to English when I even say these words in English. But something like the words, I did not make, the, I did not have them know is different than I was not known to them. Somehow we have to divine an important distinction there, right? Lo hodati would have meant, I did not inform them. It doesn't say that. It says lo nodati, they didn't grasp it. Now I'm saying that in English in a way that I think is what Rashi means, right? Like I, I, I listen, I could say at the end of this class, no, hodati lehem, I taught them a lot about Rashi, but lo, lo nodalehem, they, ne, they, didn't, they didn't get any of it. I would never say that about you because you all get it. But there's a distinction between informing someone and them absorbing it. And I think that's what Rashi's saying here. I, it does not say that I didn't announce, or sometimes, as Joanna has showed us and others, actually use yud heh in relationship to them, but their experience of me was never yud heh Their experience of me was maximum El Shaddai, lo nodati, didn't penetrate their theological uh, consciousness. Barry, microphone? Um, yeah, three. So the, there's a key line in 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 Rashi where uh, here midat amitu sheli. We haven't read that yet. We're about to get to it. 
<laughs> let's let's have Marshall read it, and then we can we can. Um... Well, okay, it, it kind of pulls together the question. Okay, so then let's have Marshall keep going. Loni karti lahem. Okay, loni karti lahem b'midat amituchali. So I was not recognized by them in my attribute of, I guess, keeping faith from emet she'aleha nikrashemi adonai, by which my by reason of which my name is called Adonai, that which means ne'eman le'amet devarai. That is, I am, uh, I guess, faithful to fulfill my words. Yeah, I love, by the way, in Hebrew, you can take the word truth and turn it into a verb, to truthify, le'amet, right? We don't have that in English. You can't, I don't think there is a way to turn truth into a verb, but le'amet means to uh, maybe aver, right? To, 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 to make something true or understood as true. Keep reading. Okay. For indeed, I made promises to them, but I did not fulfill them. And I guess it means here, uh, during their lifetimes, I didn't fulfill it, fulfill them. So as you're chewing on the shot of what Rashi might mean by saying that, let's go to Barry, and then we'll go to Joanna, and then I'll tell you what I think Rashi means here. Barry? So the, the 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 form of having been known, I I I I I didn't have myself known yet, because I I I wasn't I I wasn't ready yet to fulfill promise. I made promise, but wasn't ready to fulfill. Therefore, I I couldn't yet have it known to them yet. Right. I th I, I think that's getting close. Like, now 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 I'm with you, Moshe, and this is how it's going to be. Right. It's, if, it's as if Rashi is saying that God is saying, yeah, of course they heard of yud heh vav -Hey, and I made, promise to, to, made promises to them as what I would do for them and their ancestors, yud heh vav -Hey, but they never got to experience it. They didn't get to experience it either interpersonally because they didn't experience that, that presence of God, and they didn't experience the promises fulfilled. They never, they, in fact, their, that story ends with their ancestors in Egypt, not with their ancestors numerous in the land of Israel. Uh, with Joanna's hand up, put it, put it down. I, I, I mean, this resolved what I was going to raise because I, I was going to say that I think that the previous comment and this one are in opposition to each other. They both can't be true, but that explanation um, sort of nicely allows them to both stand. Yeah, th there's, a, there's a little bit of gymnastics involved to make sense of this set of Rashi's, but you know, we're, we're used to intellectual and textual gymnastics as Jews. This one is just a little more convoluted than, than usual. Okay. Um, yes, Alan. This whole thing about Elohim and Adonai and how it's going to be treated, you know, we talk about even here in 6.1, it says, Vayomer Adonai, and in verse 2, it says, Vayedaber Elohim. Yeah. It, it, it seems like Stevie was saying that maybe it is a juxtaposition of different sources or something. Why make the change within one verse like that? And it goes back even with the Akedah, with what, what Abraham was experiencing. It was, it was Nisa Elohim, that it was Elohim who tested him. Yes. But yet, who calls out him? It's Malach Adonai that calls out to say, don't sacrifice your son. So right. it's like this juxtaposition, I see how it can be done, but it's just, uh, you can, uh, it's troubling to see the 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 in the inconsistencies in what goes and it really gives more credence to the j and the e documentary even halachically the rabbis of the midrashic era are aware 
of how much they are reading into things that are not necessarily intended to mean what they are interpreting them to be. The rabbis say about the laws of Shabbat that it's a mountain hanging from a thread, right? They're, they're aware, they're aware. Now, now, now are they Was aware? That Shabbat or Kashrut? I thought that was kashrut, about it's like all the laws hanging by single hair. Is that for Shabbat as well? I always thought it was Shabbat. You could be right that it was kashrut. The point is the same, right? Mm -hmm. that, the, that there is an internal um, awareness that they are taking a, a, a tiny piece of information and expanding it uh, and patternizing it in a way that may or may not have been what was, what's intended, right? And that's also, you, you, first of all, you could say that about all of Torah, like our, our entire existence, modern Judaism, right, inherited from the rabbis, is an enormous mountain range hanging from some lovely threads, but they could have been interpreted to mean many, many, many different things, right? As Rabbi Roth told us all the time at JTS, like we, our Jewish law does not follow the Torah. Jewish law follows the Talmud, right? So we study the Torah, we revere it, but our, our religion is not Torah religion, it's Talmud religion. Talmud religion is inspired by Torah, but we're not Karaites, we're not. And you could certainly say that on a, on, a, on a micro level regarding the names of God. So many people who even with a little bit of a study of biblical text are aware of the Adonai Elohim dichotomy. And it's lovely and it's meaningful and it can, I, I've given many drashot on it, right? And, and the, but the Hasidic text love, Hasidic text, Sfat Emet loves when Adonai and Elohim juxtapose one, themselves and how we're supposed to learn about shifting between. And it could all be, like all of this, nothing, diaphanous, really nothing. That's part of the, the, the satisfying and frustrating game of religious life that is based around uh, patterns for which we have no proof of their origin. And it's certainly present when we're talking about reading closely into individual words. Someone's hand was up? Okay, um, let's do this. Let me make a, a, um, a calendar announcement and then we'll start reading uh, the next verse. Okay, calendar announcement. Uh, next week, uh, I'm away. Are you available to teach Leonard here? Do you wanna do it here? You wanna just do it all, all on Zoom? Okay, next week, Leonard is teaching on Zoom. Following week, here if you want to be, that will be the last class that I'll be teaching. This is our, our annual break. I, I usually take a break for all of Elul, but I want to, since I've been away a lot this summer, uh, even though two weeks from today is already Elul, I'll teach. And then after that, our next class will be the, uh, is there Cholomoid of Sukkot in, on a Wednesday this week? You can pick up, uh, or is it Yantif? Oh, first day of Cholomoid is, is, a, is, a, is a Wednesday. So after two weeks from today, and I'll put all this in an email, um, after the 31st of August, my next class will be Wednesday, October 12th. Um, hopefully we can do it in the Sukkah, but I'll give you details about that. And then, um, uh, Leonard, why don't you and I discuss offline, I can put an email, whether how many of those LO classes you want to run on Zoom, okay? Uh, and all this will be um, put in email. Uh, Larry, Diane. Very interesting discussion, and I accept your conclusion. But I still think that at some level, we have to understand the motivation for God launching into this explanation at this point in the story and the narrative. In other words, whatever you think the reason is for, his, for, for the narrative, having God make an issue of his name, we have to understand why does that come in the story right now? Good. Now, maybe that can wait because what, what we have for the next 
10 verses or eight, eight verses is a, an, um, a story into itself. Um, so maybe we should ask the question at the end, but I think it's reasonable also to ask the question at the beginning, why did we, the story take the turn here? Because we're going to come back to the story with the Pharaoh in a moment. It's a good reminder, Larry, that when we stumble on some of the nitty gritty specifics and try to square it away with other uh, other places in text where words appear do not appear and how that makes sense with the flow of rabbinic interpretation, that the story can also be, the text can also be and should also be understood with its own internal narrative coherence. And so whatever Elohim and Adonai mean, El Shaddai mean, why, why does the God character, if you will, in this scene express this to Moshe given what's about to come? Do you want to offer a theory on that? I know, one second, Barry. Do you want to offer a theory on that? Or do you want to just well, wait until we get there? I kind, of offered, kind of offered it before, but maybe I'll be able to come up with something uh, something better by the time we finish, and which would probably be close to Hanukkah. Okay. Um, but I'll simply say, yeah, I think that there, I think that that the 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 narrator, the editor, whomever, felt the need at this point to to emphasize, yeah, there is a continuity here. This is not simply a uh -huh. a new god or a different god, mm -hmm. um, and they were, th I my own view, and and Stevie is obviously much more knowledgeable about this than I am in terms of the documentary hypothesis. My, my own view is that there's this constant struggle to go back to Bereshit, which is a completely different origin, and to say, yeah, we're connected to that too. That's that's my ancestor. That's my yichus. Nice. Mm. Barry? Yeah, I, I think I'd answered this previously, but a nail on the head here. Um, we just reviewed God needing to, to fulfill the promise. He made promises before, but wasn't yet ready to make himself known because the promise wasn't going to be done yet. Now, just a moment ago, Moshe's angry at Adonai, uh, uh, Adonai for, for why Elohim, because causing all this trouble to the people uh, and so on. And, and so Yudhe Vove is now coming to, to Moshe and said, look, mm. it's going to happen now. Mm. It, now it's going to happen. Mm. And so I'm introducing you now as Yudhe Vove. Mm. Nice, Barry. I see Joanna's hand, so maybe last comment of the class. So we'll, we won't read verse four until two weeks from today. Um. Last week, there was a Rashi that took us to Parshat Kedoshim and a verse in Parshat Kedoshim that ended with Ani Adonai. And I was thinking after class that I think Rashi should have quoted a different verse. I think Rashi should have quoted Leviticus 11.45. Ki Ani Adonai hama'ale etcha me'eretz mitzrayim liot lachem lelohim v'itam kedoshim ki kadosh ani. Right, I am God bringing you out of Egypt so that um, um, you will be holy because I am holy, right? So that verse sums up the whole raison d'etre of what is about to happen. Uh -huh. The events are about to unfold. I would link that on the Adonai to here. And uh -huh. God is, you know, as this process starts to unfold saying, this is the purpose. Which leads me to say one more time, I can't wait to read the commentary on Torah composed by Joanna Sasson because it's going to be it's going to be a very rich one. It's going to it's going to be it's be alongside Rashi and all the Batei Midrash. Uh, wonderful, Joanna. Uh, let's end here.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.